Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to season two of Chillin' with Ice. I'm your host, Lori Fetrick, also known as Ice from the hit iconic show, American Gladiators. If you're new to the show, make sure you go back and listen to some of the funniest jaw-dropping behind-the-scenes stories from some of the original American Gladiators. In season two of Chillin' with Ice, you're going to hear some real one-on-one conversations with pop culture icons, athletes, and lifestyle gurus, and that's just to name a few. We will be covering everything from 90s classic, fitness, anti-aging, to recent trends, and so much more. This podcast is where legends live on. Before we dive into our incredible episode today, I want to let you know that this is a self-funded podcast, and I would love your support. For the cost of a cup of coffee a month, you can donate to my Patreon page, and that would make all the difference in the world. For the small donation, you will get back so much in rewards, like you can watch all of my podcasts on video. I will have exclusive content like behind-the-scenes footage, a private Facebook group where you can interact with me directly and other VIP fans, a monthly Q&A, direct shout-outs, and follows from me to you on your social media, and so much more. Find me on Patreon at Chillin' With Ice or click the link in the show notes now. Okay, let's dive in. We are chilling with ice. Really? That's all you got today, Jeff? I get, yeah, it's pretty much. That's you know, it? Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen you, so I've been doing those like little vocal exercises. Can so. you try it one more time, a little deeper, a little raspier maybe? I don't know. We are chilling with ice. Oh my God, it's starting to sound like a sex program. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. <laughs> Hello, ladies. <laughs> there you go. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. What's up, Lori? How you been? Oh, everything's good. Everything's good. Um, how have you been? I haven't seen you for a while. Uh, I've been good. Uh, just prepping for the holidays. and uh, That's just, right. Just Christmas want... is coming up. Yeah, yeah. My favorite Christmas holiday. Christmas is coming it uh, is my favorite holiday. Yeah. Uh, Halloween's my favorite, so. But, yeah, uh, I can do without that. Yeah. You can do without ha- Halloween? Why? Yeah, I don't give a shit about Halloween. Why? You, people could good. be you at for Halloween, though. That's true, though. That Seriously. is so true. There's seen... got, like, said, say something in the comments, guys. Like, whoever can show the best ice American Gladiator Halloween costume. There you go. Show it to us. I want to see that now. There is a chick on TikTok. Somebody actually sent it to me. She has 6.8 million followers. And she dressed up like me for Halloween. That's dope. That was cool. That's I actually, dope. I did. I kind of DM'd her back and I was like, that's awesome. You know you made it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. um, it's, I know. Yeah. It's, well, it's no one can cool. be me for Halloween because no one knows what I look like. So I know what you look yeah. like. I'll dress up like you next year. Oh, great. <laughs> I'll, I'll dress, maybe I'll dress up as you. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm pretty I sure actually, I have clothes just like that at home. I could dress up. As you oh, fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> there was a guy when, very, I, was, very, when I was bartending. <laughs> When I was bartending like years and years and years ago, he asked me, he goes, hey, can I borrow your uniform? I go, why? He goes, because I'm going to dress up just like you for Halloween and come in. And he was in the band. He was a lead singer. So I was laughing my ass off. He's up on stage as a lead singer with my uniform on. And like his package was kind of coming out of (laughs) my shorts and everything. It was kind of funny. Where did you bartend? 
Um, oh, a little place called the Sugar Mill up in um, Tarzana. Oh, cool. That's it so was, cool. It was but, a really cool yeah, place. Uh, who's this uh, mysterious voice that, oh, that we have exactly. today? Um, yeah. I love that, that that he's just. Are you trying in. to tell me to get into it? All right, I'll no, get into this. No, I mean, you know, if you have I any other actually, questions. Actually, um, my guest today is. Okay, I, I you told me how to say your last name again. Hold on, don't even say it. Smith. Lee Abamonte. Boom. Boom. Nailed Lee Abamonte. Listen to this, Jeff. This this guy didn't tell you who he was when I first came in. He has Bring traveled to every single country in the world. That's three hundred twenty-one plus. 193 UN member states. I'm going to ask you what that means, actually. Sorry. Um, and that's including he's been to the South Pole and the North Pole, Dude, which is insane. Um, he has, let's see what's here. It says um, he's known as a travel expert on many channels like Fox News, NBC, CBS, CNN, and, and ESPN. And that's just to name a few. Um, he is an actual Wall Street veteran. And that means that he, <laughs> I know he's laughing over survive. here. <laughs> exactly. Um, he worked in corporate finance and wealth management for eight years. And um, he's got a double, a double degree in finance and marketing along with his MBA. Sounds important. Damn, you do sound important. And here, this is, this is the fun part here. Um, his highlights, his extreme highlights. You <laughs> hang glided over Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Which is Awesome. That awesome. is cool. It's so cool. Dodging bullets. <laughs> We're going to talk about yeah. that too. Um, dodging bullets was at the uh, Lebanon Civil Libya. War. Libya. Lib oh, there yeah. it is. Libya Civil War. <laughs> and let's see what else. Oh, conquering the world's highest bungee jump in South America. Oh my gosh. And also, he was actually, uh, were you tracking silverback gorillas? Yeah, yeah. My in uh, East Africa, yeah, both in Rwanda and Uganda. Yeah, it's uh, Lee. That is so cool thanks. and super impressive. Thanks. Try to get around. I mean, you know? you try to get around. <laughs> Are you There's... John McClane? <laughs> it, it is Christmas, right? It, it is exactly. Yeah, yeah. I read he, he was the uh, he was the um, oh, what did they call you? The twenty first century Marco Polo Marco of the twenty first century. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't give myself that nickname, by the way. Arthur Frommers from like Frommers Guidebooks, the the kind of the OG. He called me that on a radio program about like fifteen years ago, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And so it I just kind of I just kind of took it. Yeah. I like it. It was on your website. I was yeah. like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I want to know this. Let's start out with this. I mean, how old were you when you first started traveling? I was 20. I had just turned 20 and it was a study abroad in London. And uh, so it was 1998. And, uh, I, you know, I was just doing the normal college thing. I went to the University of Maryland, uh, you know, did sports and fraternity and, you know, the usual stuff. And then I was just like, I kind of want something else. One of my best friends was like, hey, I'm going to go study abroad in London. You want to come? And I was just like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'd never been out of the country. I'm like, what's there to do in London? I go, he's like, well, you don't have to be 21 to drink. I was like, oh, that's cool. I like a store. <laughs> and I, I remember I called up my dad. I was just like, dad, I'm thinking about going to uh, to London uh, to, to study abroad. And he was just like, what the hell do you want to do that for? I was like, fuck you. I'm going. And that was literally how it went. <laughs> oh, my God. So from London at that point in time, where'd you, I, I guess my question is, is when when did you decide that you were going to see every country in the world or did it just kind of yeah, happen? It kind of developed. Like I never intended to do that. So when I was living in Europe that year, I went to like 15 European countries that particular year, just for fun, like weekend trips, yeah. like Spain, France, Germany, you know, Oktoberfest, you know, that type of thing. And uh, it just kind of 
went from there, right? And then I took a big Asia trip, my first solo trip the next year in South America. And then I went to uh, Africa. And then uh, in 2006, I, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with one of my best friends. Oh. And we're just sitting there just being like, wow, oh, it'd be really cool to like, you know, get paid for this and like just travel and like, you know, I don't know, write or whatever. Like you everybody's know? dream. Yeah. Like you never really <laughs> thought about it. You know what I mean? The internet, you know, I didn't really use the internet much. There was no social media, at least that I was on at that time. And uh, so three weeks later, the same guy sends me this um, uh, email or whatever with an article about this guy who at the time was the youngest to go to every country in the world. So I just kind of took inventory of time and money and I'd already been to about 110 countries or something like that. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do this. And I, I literally just did it. That was it. Okay. Now you say, okay. So my first question is, is I, for all my viewers and listeners and everything, because my first question would be like, well, how did he finance all this? You yeah. know, it sounds like it'd be super expensive to do. It's, it's definitely not cheap. I would say time and money are the two great equalizers of travel. Most people who have time don't have money. Most yeah, people who have exactly. money don't have time. Yeah. So you have to have both and also the desire to do it. But um, for me, I, I sold my first business when I was 21. And then I worked on Wall Street for uh, several years. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, you know, I had you know, some finance, uh, finances to do it. And, uh, it was just one of those things. I just decided to do it kind of for fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I was still working, I would take like, you know, maximize my vacation time. And then uh, I quit my job in 2008, uh, for the final time. I did it twice actually, um, <laughs> for the final time. And then I went to business school because I figured like I'd do something productive. So I didn't look like I had a resume gap, like when I came back from finishing all the countries. So I went to business school, finished all the countries and I just figured I'd get a job. And then when I, finished going to all the countries, um, I, I basically got a lot of media attention and started being asked to like do speeches and like do TV segments. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. And uh, then I remember there was a credit card company that offered me money to like, you You're know, like, talk yes. about myself. I was like, holy cow, this is great. Yeah. You know? So then uh, basically I haven't worked since then more or less. So sponsors and yeah. things like that. So that just opened up the entire door. Yeah. It's been crazy. And like, I've done some really cool things. I've been like, uh, you know, the spokesman for a bunch of different multinationals, like, uh, you know, companies like Bank of America and Allianz Travel Insurance and I've worked with Google and Microsoft, Four Seasons, Fairmont, wow. different airlines, you name it. It's been great. You have the dream job. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. Literally. I mean, <laughs> that everybody, because I'm, you're absolutely right. If people don't have, you know, the money, they have the time and vice versa. And you have the dream job. So it, yeah, it's been good. I mean, like anything else, like when it's you, you know, there's always ups and downs. But I mean, you know, it beats like, I don't know, selling like insurance or something like that. You know, <laughs> Don't say that. I did that once. <laughs> no, you're right, though. <laughs> so where's your home base? Here in L.A. I, uh, I moved out here almost exactly three years ago um, from New York City, which I lived in for, well, in, in Manhattan for 21 years. And then I grew up outside the city. Mm -hmm. So. So I'm going to have some, I have some questions that I've had like through my social media and some friends that, you know, they knew that I was going to interview you. So okay. one of the questions is, and I found this kind of fascinating as well, is when it comes to climate mm -hmm. and people, okay, mm -hmm. so the colder the climate, the warmer the climate, how are the people in the colder climate, are they, are they kind of, are they nice? Are they rigid? Are they, cause it's a freezing cr climate. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you go, you know, the opposite of that into the warmer climate and you have the people, you know, on the islands or whatever. Have you noticed a difference in, yep. okay. Absolutely. So, I mean, again, I'm a New Yorker, right? So like, you know, people, people are like, New Yorkers are abrupt. They're just kind of get to the point. And that's true. We don't, we don't have a lot of time. We don't want to waste it. Uh, kind of like, I guess maybe it goes with the cold, just 
get what you need to do done and then move on, right? Yeah. But when you go to some of the islands, I mean, you're talking about the slowest moving people on earth and, and, and that's fine, you know, it, but even here in LA, right? Like just moving out here to LA, people are very slow, mm-hmm. at least for like an East Coaster moving out here. So that's been a bit of an adjustment, even like just getting coffee, you know, it can take forever sometimes out here, right? <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's funny to me and I've like, it's not like I hadn't been out here a million times. So I like kind of knew what I was getting into, but the, the warmer the climate, generally the slower things go. Are they nicer? Uh, generally nicer, yeah. And they also, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, random islands in the Pacific yeah. or the Caribbean, you know, they're usually pretty chill because that's basically what you do down there is you just kind of chill. But yeah, very nice people, especially uh, the Pacific Islanders, I find very nice. What is, I know, and I don't even want to ask you this, but I have to ask you because I love, out of anything, islands. Mm-hmm. That's my go-to. Yep. Out of all the islands that you've actually went to, what is the most, let's say, beautiful, just, you just kind of went, oh my God, you know? You know, I mean, obviously beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? But um, some of my favorites, it's hard to pick like one, I, I, but yeah, I know. there's, um, so, so you probably heard of the Cook Islands, right? Yes. In the Pacific. So the Cook Islands are great, but there's this one specific atoll there called Aitutaki, and it's it's a mouthful, but it's got to be the most beautiful kind of water, like perfect tropical South Pacific, like the thing you dream about. Like mm-hmm. when you see, you know, pictures on Microsoft screensavers, you don't even know where they are. That's like where they are. It's like so nice, right? And uh, probably my favorite island in the world is an Australian island called Lord Howe Island. Mm-hmm. And it's about a thousand miles or so from Sydney. You got to fly there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they, I'm not sure if they still do, but they used to uh, limit it to about 200 people a day on islands. So, okay. I mean, it was, it's great. You know, you just walk around, you're not like overwhelmed uh, with tourists or anything like that. It's also expensive. So, you know, it take it takes an effort to get there and a commitment. And uh, those are a couple of my favorites. But uh, another place that I love is Easter Island. And I've uh, heard of that. Oh, yeah, so cool with the Moai. It's just like you're just wandering around. There's wild horses and uh, great seafood. But then there's these like mysterious Moai that are like, you know, 15 feet high and who knows how they got there. Yeah, it's, like, of course. So cool. The mystery of the world. Yeah. I love that part yeah. of it. Um, and now the next, the next thing is, is... Um, I mean, tracking silverback gorillas. I yep. mean, how is that? That just sounds like so fascinating and um, just amazing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of the great trips in the world. Like I, as a kid, I watched the movie Gorillas in the Mist yes. with Scorny Weaver, yes. right? And I was We all like, cried. Right, right. And you're like, <laughs> but wow, that's pretty cool. She so got to like, you know, interact with the gorillas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, so back in 2010, I went to Rwanda for the first time and, uh, and I did it there, right? And I had terrible weather, terrible. It was freezing, it was cold. The gorillas climbed up to 13,500 feet. It took us like eight hours to get there and you only get an hour with them, by the way. So mm-hmm. like you have to, maximize your time and by the time we got there I I was freezing cold but I loved the hour right then I went back in Uganda and did it again uh, right before COVID in 2019 and it was like the most magical experience it was so great Uh, the weather was perfect the gorillas were like there was a lot of them and you were right there with them tell me about that magical moment that you felt go a little deeper into that I want to know what that means for you well, it means, number one, thank God they didn't like rush at me because they're enormous <laughs> creatures, right? Like, and he, you know, and you're sitting there like, okay, oh. how tall are you? 6'3. And okay, 6'3, what do you weigh? 187. I weighed myself this morning, actually. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and let's say a silverback is standing next to you. Oh, God, he's enormous. Uh, I mean, if they're standing up, they're yeah. they're much taller and you know, probably seven, eight feet tall, I'd say. <gasps> but they're, I mean, enormous, like 1,500, 1,800 pounds. Uh, that's just a guess. I don't know that. But I mean, right. either way, they'd they kick just your ass. They just look, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to mess with them. Right. 
So just that magical moment of being in their presence. Yeah, and then especially like the coolest thing for me is like when you finally do find the uh, the gorillas, you usually find a bunch of them because they kind of travel in packs, right? And you'll see babies mm. and like, you know, mothers with their babies mm. and it's just like the cutest thing, right? Like a any animal cubs or, you know, whatever um, little gorgeous. gorillas yeah, are called are just so cute. But to see it and and to realize you, you flew all that way and climbed up into the jungle and you found them and you're there. And there's so few people that get to do it. It's pretty wild. Yeah, they mm. weigh between 400, uh, 300 and 450 pounds. Okay. That's a little different than 1,500. But I feel like the biggest silverbacks are more than that. I mean, th these are massive creatures. But I, I, you, I'm sure you're right. If you're Googling it, Google's never wrong. <laughs> that is so funny. That's a whole funny. other subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's get back. Let's go to the... I have a couple more questions here. Yeah. Um, Interesting. What has taught you more, education or traveling? Oh, traveling without question. I tell, I say that all the time. Uh, travel is the best education you can ever get because it teaches you everything that books cannot teach you and like teachers cannot teach you. And uh, it gives you real life experience, right? Like not, you know, going to college and like getting wasted and like hanging out in your fraternity, that type of thing, which is cool too. But traveling is like the best because you learn about different cultures. You learn about yourself. You learn to be on your own. You learn to figure stuff out, uh, especially when you don't speak the language. And those are like really valuable skills, right? Like I talk to people who don't travel at all. They're like, well, how do you deal with the language barrier? Well, you figure it out. You do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you learn, right? Because like you can watch movies or read books or hit, I don't know, even know if kids read books anymore, but if uh, <laughs> not, <laughs> but like, you know, I read everything when I was a kid, but I, until you actually see stuff, like the first time I saw like, I don't know, the Louvre, or, like, you know, the Eiffel Tower, like Sagrada Familia in Barcelona you're just like holy cow this is awesome and like you really experience it and it puts it it makes it real mm -hmm. and, uh, and and that's what traveling has done for me it makes it real and you interact with people and you learn about culture and you learn about food and you learn bits of languages and you learn just different customs in different places and it, it just makes you feel smarter and more confident in everyday life because you feel like you have more information and experience than others do you like traveling alone or do you like traveling with a companion of some I sort? I like both. And it, it really depends. And, uh, you know, I get questions like this a lot. And like solo travel is wonderful mm -hmm. in certain places, but sometimes you want to experience uh, stuff with others. Like I've been very fortunate. I've had uh, three different friends who I've been to over 50 countries with. Nice. And, uh, you know, just people who have similar interests and you got to be chill. There can only be kind of like yeah. one person like calling the shots, so to speak, and the other person, people, whoever have to kind of go along with Just it follow you yeah you know but i mean <laughs> you got to compromise a little bit that's what's great about solo travel you don't have to compromise at all you can right. do whatever you want you know so it kind of depends it's hard to get someone to like go to afghanistan with you yeah, you know exactly <laughs> if you want to go to afghanistan but um you know if you're in like uh like i don't know like a tropical paradise it's better to be with somebody you know because it's it's kind of boring you know sometimes i, out I there. would imagine that yeah how is, I mean, this has got to play kind of havoc on your love life as well, because you travel so much and you're in and out and you're moving country. And let's say hypothetically, you meet somebody in a country and you're like, well, yeah, how does that all work out? You know, <laughs> it, it, it's like one of those things, right? Like if you want to make effort, you make effort. I yeah. mean, that's essentially what it is. And yeah, it's, it's not the easiest person to date someone like me, but, right. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's doable. And, uh, at the same time, uh, again, if you want to make something work, whether you work in my line of work or, you know, let, if you're a lawyer and you work 20 hours a day, it's kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? So just a little different, but it, it just depends. It all comes back down to effort. 
I get that. So going back to uh, the world, <laughs> what's your, what is your biggest first world problem? What would you say that you, <laughs> yeah, like you're laughing about that. I'm like, when you, you've traveled all over the place. Yeah. So what, what would you see as a whole that you kind of go, huh, this is what the problem is? Me, me personally, my you first personally, world problems. Yeah, you're man, personal. How about when I don't get upgraded to first class that day <laughs> on a long flight? God, <laughs> nightmare. You know, it's you're like, so bad. Oh I mean, my god. Saying, you know, you said, Wait, are you kidding? I just got my first. I because I'm starting to do appearances again, and I was laughing because I like one of my first appearances. I got my first first class airline for the longest time. I'm like, score! Finally, I made it. <laughs> it's like it's like night and day, right? Uh, Isn't and, and it? I'm, and I'm like half kidding, but also serious. No, um, I'm serious. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it's that. And then uh, just dealing, basically just the annoyances of travel, right? Like just uh, dealing with airlines and dealing with security and taxis. Uh, and you I know, can only imagine what you've went through. Yeah. And like even just getting to and from the airport. I mean, it could be like a nightmare in certain places. I mean, Christ, in New York City, you know, you never knew if it was going to take you 20 minutes to get to JFK or two hours, right? So then you'd end up, you know, getting out there, take the train, and then you'd sit in the airport forever. And I don't know, just little things that annoy you. I mean, first world problems, right? It's, you know, I'm not complaining, but you did ask. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I did. Um, I, 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 I do. It's, it's interesting because I've, I've traveled, but not a lot, yep. you know, um, all over the United States, obviously. But uh, went over to England, a little bit of Europe, Italy, you know, south of France, little things like that. And, and Bora Bora, mm -hmm. one of, that was one of my favorite places it's, as it's, far as I'm It's not a bad place. But I want to go to Fiji really bad. You know, I can't <laughs> wait about that. Fiji is one of my favorites in the world. And uh, I, I've spent months there because I've been really? there a bunch of times because it's kind of like a, a base point to Okay, you're the guy the I'm calling when I go to Fiji because I'm gonna, cause they have all those, you know, tons and tons of islands. You're yeah. like, which ones you choose? Correct, yeah. So that's kind of a hard one. Let's talk about um, bullets flying at you. What happened with that? I mean, how did you find yourself in that situation in the first place? So back in 2011, um, I had been to 192 countries, which is one short of being to all of them. And I was in Algeria uh, during the Arab Spring. And the plan was to fly to Tripoli, Libya. But at that time, uh, essentially a civil war like broke out like with Gaddafi and like all this stuff. And uh, it was the Arab Spring and they closed down the airport and essentially the country to, to foreigners. So I couldn't go. So I'm sitting there one short of being in every country. Uh, and that was, I believe, March that year. So I had to basically just go home and kind of wait it out. Uh, in August that year, I got an email from a guy I know in Cairo, and he was just like, hey, I think you can get into Libya through the border of uh, Egypt. And I was like, okay. And literally, I just went to Cairo, flew out to this remote desert outpost called Mursa Mutra, which no one's ever heard of. And mm -hmm. it's about three hours from the border, I think it was. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had uh, $5,000 cash in my pocket. I figured I'd have to pay somebody for something. <laughs> right. And uh, like, you, Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Did you find you had to do that a lot, speaking of which? I always was prepared to have to do it and would always try not to do it. And I was pretty good at not doing it. But occasionally, you find yourself in a situation where... I mean, the money was like negligible. You'd have to give somebody like two bucks, right? To like yeah. get out of some annoying situation or like a cop was hassling you in like Nigeria, which happened to me a lot. Um, you know, you just give them a couple bucks and then they really? just leave you Just long. pay them off. It's, it's, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> like the level of corruption in certain places, but it's like little money. So it's just like, yeah. you just kind of shake your head and move on, right? Um, anyway, so I see this guy at the, um, at the airport in Mursa Mutra who uh, looked, you know, well-educated. He had a, like a blazer on and he had a, li a Libyan rebel lapel pin. So I go up to him 
asked me if he speaks English. He says, yes. He asked me, like, what the hell are you doing here? And I explained to him what I was doing. He goes, yeah. so what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Can you help me get a taxi to the border or something? You know, just speak uh, Arabic and help me out. And he goes, no, 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 I got you. And he goes, my brother's coming in a minivan from Tobruk, Libya, which is uh, in Eastern Libya, to pick me up and bring me out to, like, to Brook. And I was just like, so you'll transport me across the border? He's like, yeah, yeah no problem. I'm like, this is amazing. Sure. And uh, he didn't want any money. He didn't want anything. He was just, like, happy to help. And I yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Um, so fast forward, three hours later, we're at the border and there's like, uh, we're about three cars away from the border, right? And then on the other side, there's this truck um, piled high with a bunch of Asian looking soldiers on top or like military type people. Turns out they're uh, Chinese trying to smuggle fake Marlboro cigarettes from Libya into um, Egypt. And because there was no government at the time, so they didn't have to pay a tariff or whatever, leaving Libya. So the Libyan rebels wanted them to pay. They didn't want to pay. Anyway, long story short, a firefight ensues. And some of it sprays across. And oh, our car gets hit three times. Wow. And I'm just like, holy shit. And we like freak out and go back and uh, wait another three hours. And finally, the guy's like, okay, I think we can cross the border now. So I'm just like, You're like oh are God. you sure? This, this is great. <laughs> so we go. And I'm like a little bit mentally taxed here. I'm like, what's happening? I'm, I'm totally going to die here. But uh, that's okay. So we get up to the border. And he goes, give me your passport. I was like, okay. Uh, here's my passport. He goes, here's the deal. And I'm like, what? He goes, you're going to be a humanitarian dentist coming into Libya to do <laughs> dent free dental work. And I'm like, dude, I'm not a fucking dentist. Yeah. And he goes, doesn't matter. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're the only person here with straight white teeth. Oh, how funny. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, oh, okay. It seems like a terrible idea, but he does. We get up to the uh, the border. He shows my passport to the guy. He, he speaks some Arabic to him. And then the guy kind of looks at me and he goes, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he just goes, literally, welcome to Libya. And I was just like, oh, my God, thank you. And wow. uh, so that was uh, how I got into my last country to visit every country in the world. And uh, that was also the day that Gaddafi was killed. So I was oh. in Libya the day he was killed. And I did a live interview from inside Libya that day. And that was kind of how I got um, my first taste of media attention for what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Not because I planned it, just because I was the only guy <laughs> dummy right. in Libya at that time. And, uh, and I just did it kind of via satellite. It was pretty cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah. What a story. Yeah. God, you got shot out and everything. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how amazing that is, but no, I mean, uh, you <laughs> that's know. a little frightening <laughs> and scary all the <laughs> same time. Makes a good story though. It does make a great story. So with, I mean, what have you noticed? I mean, with the amount of media that's, that's around and the way they make the world look and everything, and you just spoke something you said the word corruption. Mm -hmm. How really corrupt do you see the world? Or is it media is just full of shit? Well, and I think- just make more out to what it really is. I think that- governments, especially in developing nations like uh, surely in like South America and Africa, I mean, the people in charge are completely corrupt, almost universally. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you look at places like, uh, you know, Venezuela or Argentina or pick a country in like Western Central Africa, uh, almost always it just never works out. Right. And then all of a sudden there's a Swiss bank account full of like a ton of money and the guy just disappears. Right. In exile, like living a lavish lifestyle. And and uh, it's just kind of the way it is. Like being in charge in places like that is essentially a license to steal. And mm -hmm. they do. So the people who are on his, you know, close advisors and things like that, they all benefit, whereas the rest of the country does not. I mean, think about how much international aid goes to a lot of these countries, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. like tens and hundreds of millions of dollars mm -hmm. a year. 
but nothing ever changes. No right. infrastructure improvements, no like education improvements. That's why everybody's like, where's this money going? Right, exactly. And that's where it goes. <laughs> in their pockets, yep. you know? Exactly. So, I mean, there is a lot of that. And then on like, uh, you know, a smaller level, like on the street, you'll get, um, you know, if you're in certain countries and you see someone like me coming down the road, you know, they'll think, uh, oh, I can, you know, kind of shake them down for a couple bucks or whatever. And the truth is, the way I look at it, it's just kind of like the cost of doing business. And, um, you know, and again, the money's negligible. So I usually just kind of give them a couple bucks uh, or whatever the equivalent in the local mm -hmm. currency is just, you know, you kind of feel bad, to be honest, a little bit, but also just to avoid any hassles, especially when it's the cops, because that's a nightmare, because the last thing you want to do is end up in jail in some like random country for doing nothing. I mean, do you feel like you're a target sometimes? I mean, you're a white guy. Yeah. If like you just said, perfect, beautiful teeth. By the way, if you're not on my YouTube, this guy's <laughs> handsome as shit. So anyway, I would see that. You'd walk into some of these countries and it's just like a walking, like, you know, yeah, I mean, target you, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you know this, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of like, uh, like if you walked around certain places too, you know, you'd be yeah. a target with blonde hair and, yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just like one of those things. I mean, most people just want to like, talk to you and practice English or take a photo with you or something like that. And, uh, you know, they don't know who you are or anything like that, but they just don't see people mm -hmm. like you a lot. And it's, um, it's it's kind of touching most of the time, but you know, but then not everyone's uh, you know not corrupt or, or nice. So it just you know it's just it happens not that often, but it does happen for sure. So now that you've visited all these countries, I mean, what's what's next for you? Do you go back <laughs> to different ones that you actually love and visit? And I mean, what would those who where would those be? Yeah, I mean, I go back to. I mean, I've been to. I think um, I think it's 140 countries more than once, and mm -hmm. uh, you know. Just because you went to a country doesn't mean you saw everything, right? Oh, like God, you, yes, absolutely. Right. I like mean, if you go to Brazil, like just going to Rio doesn't mean you've seen Brazil. You know, well, how, I mean? okay, that leads really quickly. And that is <laughs> how many days or weeks or how long do you normally stay in one spot? Yeah, it just kind of depends. Like, okay. um, it, if you go to a country like India or Brazil, you want to spend a few weeks in if you're just going to go one time. But usually uh, each time I go back, I'll pick a different area that I haven't been to mm -hmm. and try to, you know, be really comprehensive about my visit. And, uh, you know, if you go to Europe, like, for instance, if you go to London or Paris multiple times, I always try to stay in like a different area, like a new yeah. hotel and kind of just have a different experience. Because even if you've been there, it just feels like a new new place and new experience. And, and that's really what I enjoy the most is new experiences. As new experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to take a break real quick. We'll be right back. And when we come back, I want to know the uh, um, three different things. Where would you go on a shoestring budget, middle of the road? And if you had money was no object, where would you go? We'll be right back. For those of you that want to rock my gear, check out my store at icetshirts.com. Find the gladiator in you with these iconic styles. Get your chillin' with ice gear along with many other cool styles such as the OG Gladiator. We have that in t-shirts, hats, and hoodies. Plus my all-time favorite, the beautiful badass t-shirt. I've got a hat to match that one and so much more. Score your ice merch today, icetshirts.com, where legends live on. All right, we're back with Lee and I have a question that is like, okay, 
a lot of people want to travel, but let's say they don't have a lot of money. So where would you suggest them to go if they're just on a very small budget, but yet they want to travel? Yeah. So there's a couple ways to kind of attack that. And like when I first started traveling, that was me. Exactly. So it was, uh, first of all, you can stay in these things called hostels Mm -hmm. and uh, which are essentially shared accommodation, like little crappy hotels, but they're so much fun. And uh, basically I spent my entire 20s staying in hostels because you meet a ton of people, like-minded people about your age doing the same thing. And that's really cool. And especially in Europe where, you know, it's pretty expensive these days. That's a great way to do it on a, a relatively small budget, even though it's not as cheap as it used to be, but the cheapest place in the world still is Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. places like Thailand and uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, uh, Myanmar. And it's just so awesome out there. And you'll run into so many people um, on a budget, you know, doing that type of thing. And you get to see so much and experience so much. And there's so much cool culture down there. And the food's unbelievable. And it's cheap. Like in Bangkok, you can get uh, a bowl of pad thai on the street for like a quarter, you know, it's awesome. And it's like some of the best things you've ever tasted. And uh, Thailand's gorgeous. It's it's so good. It's like in my top 10 for sure. And, uh, Everywhere in Southeast Asia is cool and everyone's chill. I mean, it's hotter than hell, but I mean, uh, other than that, it's pretty awesome. So, <laughs> Okay, middle of the road. Middle of the road, um, places like um, Peru. Okay. Machu Picchu, everyone wants to see Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. Uh, places like Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, uh, you know, Argentina, uh, Buenos Aires. Uh, it's just awesome. Patagonia, you can do some kind of budget trips in the mountains. They're middle of the road, but still awesome. Mm-hmm. And then places in Europe. I mean, not necessarily high-end London, Paris kind of stuff, but go to Prague. Prague is amazing. Yeah. You know, or like Vienna. Vienna is super cool. Barcelona, places like that. Madrid. And, uh, you know, you can really get a lot uh, done. Oh, and Turkey is another one that I absolutely love. Turkey's incredible. It's so much to do and it's really not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually like kind of middle of the road to budget uh, safaris that you can do too, which oh, cool. is my favorite thing in the world to do is safaris. So uh, you don't have to do these like lavish ones that you'll see like, you know, the Kardashians on or something, yeah. but you can like normal people safaris are still super nice and really, really cool. So tell me that you just, you said that's one of your most favorite things to do. Tell me why. Just because I, I love animals, number I one, too, yeah. and like I love landscapes. And when you go to a place like the Serengeti or the Maasai Mara or Kruger National Park, you're just like, it's the stuff your I don't know, at least my dad used to like watch Nat Geo all the time. And God. like these- National Geographic magazine was like all over our house. Totally. So you're living <laughs> yes. National Geographic and, you know, and I've been on so many safaris, but each one is like the best day of my life. because you're seeing all these animals that you never normally get to see and they're always doing different things. And you just kind of take a step back and realize how fortunate you are to be able to do it and watch these animals where they live Mm -hmm. and uh, doing what they do. And once in a while, you'll see a chase or a kill or something like that. I don't know if I could see a kill. It's uh, so hard. It's nature. I know know it's it's human nature. I get that. But I'd be like, no, stop. You know? Yeah. It's so one of those kind of things. But but it's pretty cool. And like when you see a giraffe up close or an elephant oh, yeah. for the first time, rhino, oh my God, they're just, it's just the coolest thing. And again, the lodges for safaris are always awesome. Mm-hmm. You meet interesting people. Like nobody just stumbles onto a safari. You know, you have to make the effort. And, yeah. and, and generally the people are pretty cool and interesting. And I, I just love it. It's just so good for me. What have you learned about yourself doing all this? 
Number one, that I have a lot more patience when I travel than in my real life. Really? Why is that? Because like you have to, especially uh, in less developed nations. Like I, there's a term that's kind of famous out there. It's called this is Africa, like TIA, right? <laughs> right. And, uh, and that just means everything moves at like molasses pace, right? Okay. And you just have to be patient and otherwise you lose your mind. And you can't like yell at people, you know, to hurry up because then no one's going <laughs> right, to no help you, right? It's like being at the airport and like yelling at TSA or right. like somebody's just like, at you. just like, fuck you. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, you know, I, I've taught myself to kind of chill and take things as they come and kind of roll with the punches. And that's the other thing. Like you never plan too stringently. Always got to, you know, kind of bob and weave a little bit because nothing really ever goes exactly according to plan. Never. Nope. How many languages do you know now? I speak Spanish um, and I'm pretty good with languages. Like I know enough to get by and, and like French and uh, Italian and a little Portuguese mostly, and I can read Cyrillic, so like the Russian oh, language. Wow. Uh, I don't know what the words mean, but I can sound them out. Right. And I can read Greek and uh, Hebrew too. Okay. All right. So let's say money's no object. Where would you go? And what would you do? Man, that's tough. Uh, well, you mentioned Bora Bora before, you know, uh, some of the hotels and resorts and like places- are stupid expensive. Like French Polynesia, like the Maldives or Seychelles or something like that. Like some of these, you know, p pick a, like Four Seasons, Zaman. I mean, they're like unbelievable. The Brando yeah. Resort down in French Polynesia, you know, stuff like that. You know, if you hop around on a, on a private jet would be pretty awesome. Oh, or just like really doing it up in like uh, a suite in Dubai, like at the Burj Al Arab or something like that. Or, um, you know, in Paris, like at the Hotel Ritz, that type of thing. Yeah. Like like really spoiling yourself or some of the most amazing safari lodges in Africa. I mean, those to me are the nicest uh, hotels in the world. They're the top safari lodges. Oh so God, that would be just amazing. And I would tell you to go to the South Pole because that is like the coolest trip ever. Talk to me. Tell me about the South Pole. Why, so, first of all, why the South Pole? Why? I mean, I know you wanted to hit everything. Right. So, okay. so uh, once I'd gone to every country, I was just like, uh, it was kind of a dream to like go to uh, the South Pole, not necessarily the North Pole, but the South Pole, because it's at like 9,300 feet. It's on the continent of Antarctica. It's not the same as taking the, the ship from like uh, Argentina uh, to the peninsula and just seeing a few penguins. I wanted to go all the way to the pole, like where uh, Ernest Shackleton died trying to get to and uh, Robert Falcon Scott died trying to get to. And so many people, it was like the the apex of exploration in the early 20th century, right? And uh, to, to get there was just such a cool thing. And obviously, you know, I didn't have to mush dogs like across like the continent, yeah. but yeah. Um, to get there was a, a huge challenge. It was very expensive. And uh, getting there was like the coolest moment of my is it, life. Is it too personal to ask when you say very expensive? Is it too personal to go, what is that? It was over $100,000. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It, and I had to go twice because the first time we failed to go. Uh, to make it. That was the year I was actually there with Prince Harry. Um, so it wasn't like I was there with him, like he's my friend, but he just happened to be there like when <laughs> I was- I would have thought that right when you said it. I was like, damn, he's friends with Prince Harry. I, I did get to meet him <laughs> and uh, you know all the people he was with because we were all kind of waiting for our opportunity to go. And then our, our time frame just kind of expired and uh, we had to leave, which was like the most enraging thing that's ever happened to me. Because uh, you put so much time, effort and money into it. And then uh, you come back and you don't make it. And uh, so I had to go back the next year. And by the skin of our teeth, we actually did make it. And now they actually offer like private jets down there. It's like mm. the, the industry has evolved so much in like 10 years because I was there and uh, I made it in 2014. So almost 10 years ago. And, um, you know, it would have been a lot easier. If, uh, so you get there. Yeah. 
Then what? I mean, it's like, is it just the fact of just making it there? Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. You know, it, it's just, honestly, it's like just the coolest thing. It's like the apex of getting anywhere. They're like, there's nowhere in the world that's as uh, exclusive okay. to, to get to, really. I mean, there's some like really remote islands that no one watching this has ever heard of that yeah. I could bore you with. But yeah. the South Pole, that's the spot. And like, you take the picture with the uh, the actual pole there. And it's just it's just the coolest thing. South Pole Station in the U.S. Uh, scientific base is there. They actually have a basketball court in there, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I made them uh, let me inside because I wanted my passport stamped. And uh, so I'm like literally banging on the door of this scientific station. And they're like, Stamp this. And they let me come in and I uh, shot some baskets and uh, stamped my passport. And then uh, they were there. We were there for about two and a half hours. Wow. And uh, honestly, it was so cool. And I was there with like two of my good friends. And uh, we just, it was just an amazing experience. I'll never forget. And then a year and a half later, I went to the North Pole. So tell me about the North Pole. I mean, what's the difference? Let's go there. The major difference is uh, Antarctica is a continent. So the South Pole is actually at elevation at 9,300 feet, whereas mm -hmm. the um, North Pole is on drifting sea ice. So it's at sea level and there's no landmass, right? So like when you fly there and we flew... Uh, there's a permanent ice camp or a, a temporary ice camp, I should say, set up at Barneo, which is 89 and a half degrees north. Mm -hmm. And from there, we took a Soviet area military helicopter from there to the actual geographic coordinate of 90 degrees north, zero. Yeah, I saw the picture of that. That was so cool. And oh man, it was so exciting uh, to land there and uh, to be there. And uh, the the outfit that I went with, they had this like really expensive bottle of vodka because it was run by the Russians. And mm -hmm. uh, so we get there and everyone on there, you know, takes a shot of like really expensive Russian vodka. It was just the coolest thing. And, uh, and you know, at that time I was like the youngest person to go to every country in the world in both poles. And I believe I still am. So it's kind of cool. So how young was the first person that you met that you went, hey, this is really cool. I mean, you're, how old are you right now? I'm 45 now. You're 45. Mm -hmm. So when you accomplished all this, how old were you? 32. 32. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, pretty neat, right? <laughs> that is really cool. Um, hang gliding. Oh, my God. I That is one thing. It, here's an, it's something interesting. I'm afraid of heights as I've gotten older. Okay. I don't even understand what that's all about when I, you know walking up something, I don't know, a glass elevator going up to, you know, a hundred stories. I don't know. However, <laughs> I really think that I could hang glide. It wouldn't bother me at all. It looks fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've repelled out of a helicopter before, which was fun as shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all these weird things. So when, did you know how to hang glide or were you just like, okay, dude, I want to do this now? I have no idea how to hang glide. I, I still was don't. it tandem? Yeah, it's tandem. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's kind of like, have you skydived? No. And I, here's the weird thing. I have no desire to jump out of a plane, yeah. but I want to hang glide. Right. So it's, it's, it's a similar kind of thing uh, to skydiving. It's like the person who knows what they're doing doesn't yeah. want to die. So, <laughs> you know, I just always kind of, it's like, all right, he knows what he's doing. I'll just kind of, right, right. it's kind of like the pilot on a plane, right? Like well, the pilot knows what he's doing. He doesn't want to crash either, you yeah, know? Yeah. So uh, that was kind of my, my thoughts on that. But to do it in Rio um, was just awesome because Rio is probably, I'll say the second most beautiful city in the world after Cape Town, South Africa. Oh. Okay. And to, to hang glide over it and like, you know, Christ the Redeemer, the big Jesus yes. statue down there yes. and like, you know, see Sugarloaf Mountain and Copacabana and, uh, you know, it, it's just so wild and it's so cool and a perfect weather that day and you land on the beach and uh, in Leblanc and it was just, it was so awesome. I just really loved it. So when you're traveling, are people always like, oh my God, come over here. I want to take you here or let's try this. Do you meet a lot of people that are constantly like, you've got to try this or you got to go here? <laughs> Everyone's experience with wherever they've been 
is the best experience ever, right? Yes. So that's what I've learned. So like if I announce I'm going somewhere or somebody sees on social that I'm somewhere like, oh my God, you're in Paris. You have to go to this restaurant. It's the best thing ever. That's what I mean. And I'm like, I mean, everyone thinks everything that they've done is the best thing ever yeah. or they want to share their experience with you. And I totally get it. You know what I mean? And sometimes I do listen, you know? So I appreciate when people do make suggestions, but also you realize that some people's experiences and tastes are different than yours right. or just, you know, it's like some, you know, I, I always make a joke, right? Like if you see somebody in Las Vegas walking down the strip with a big yard of a fruity drink, it's probably their first time in Vegas, right? Exactly. But they think Fat Tuesday is like the greatest place in the world. Exactly. <laughs> I don't. I know. <laughs> so. That is so funny you say that. You're right. These drinks are like three feet long. They're like sucking on that big yeah, ass yeah, yeah. straw and you're just like, like oh. I love Vegas. Exactly. You're going to have a nice hangover in the morning. <laughs> so yeah, you know, you get that. But I mean, I take everything with a grain of salt and I, I never try to, you know, insult anybody or whatever. And, you know, and again, if a couple people do suggest something, it'll usually be like, okay, this must be okay. And a lot of times if I'm in an area or like a hotel or something, I'll ask like a concierge and be like, is this restaurant good? And they'll be like, yeah, mm. or no. And I usually listen to the kind of local people who yeah, generally know let's best. Go, let's go more the danger side, yep. like hang gliding. I mean, are people like when you go into a country, they're like, come on, let's go do this. Let's go. I don't know, jump off of this or dive off of that. Have you ever dove off something that's super high, by the yeah, way? Yeah, sure. Tell me. Where? So, uh, I didn't read any of that. I was just asking that. I mean, I've jumped off. Uh, well, like we were talking, you mentioned in your intro, uh, so bungee jumping is a big thing for yes. me. Love. And, really? Yeah, yeah. And, Better uh, than hang gliding. Uh, for me, it is because it's it's more exciting. You're by yourself, number one. And uh, like you're just standing there on the edge of the bridge, just like uh -uh. looking down like, oh, fuck. No, that's what, see, that's what I couldn't do. I couldn't stand there. I'd like want. I'd like almost like maybe like get that anxiety, that lightheadedness. Like, okay, well, I'm just going to fall off then. So the, the key is to look out on the horizon before you dive and like, don't like look down and just kind of when, when the guy does the countdown, three, two, one, go, just go. Don't think about it. Yeah. yeah. So I went, uh, the world's highest bungee jump, um, is in, uh, South Africa. And, uh, so me and my two best friends still to this day, we were down there and, uh, one of my buddies, like he was terrified and he, I won't say his name cause he's going to hear this and like, be like, you're an <laughs> asshole. Um, but he got out there and he was so scared to go. He didn't even wait for the countdown. His knees just buckled and he fell off. Oh, <laughs> was, see, that would be me. It was the funniest thing I ever saw. Oh my God. We still talk about it to this day. It was, uh, it was great. But I mean, there's, there's no right or wrong way. If you get in out there, you got some serious balls to get out there yeah. and do that. But hang gliding is just like, kind of like beautiful, right? It's yeah. like relaxed. Relaxing. It's not like that intense. I mean, they can make it intense if they want to, but yeah. usually for tourists, they'll just be nice, you know. The bungee jump, man. I don't know though. Okay, when? Okay, how high is it? The, the highest you said. That, you uh, that was, uh, I think it was around eight hundred feet, give Ooh. or take. I think there's one higher now in Macau, uh, off the uh, the big Macau Tower. I haven't done that one yet though, but I've done all the other highest in the world. Jeff, have you ever bungee jumped? No, I haven't yet, but I am very interested in skydiving. You should do it, man. You why it. why, I, I, I why not bungee jumping? Yeah. Lori, you want to go skydiving? Do no, it. but... <laughs> do a podcast about do it. it. Oh, that'd be so <laughs> what, cool. Now? Do a podcast about it. Your experience before and after. Oh, man. No, I don't we'll know. We'll do it during it. I'll have the mixer. I'll have the mics. Try to reach out there and everything. Like, what are you feeling right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't I, I really want to do it. Over a beach, preferably. Over a beach? Yeah, like over, like over by the beach. Like I think the closest place from here in LA is in Camarillo, which is like desert. Yeah, it's like of, Ventura. I've been yeah, up there. Yeah, it's like yeah. Ventura, yeah. But then you could go more towards like San Diego and that has more of like kind of on the coastline. Mm -hmm. And I think that'd be really, really dope. I don't know. Bungee jumping does sound fun. I don't know about hang gliding. I, I mean, um, whatchamacallit, jumping Skydiving. I've had so many people ask me to skydive and I just don't really have a desire. I don't know why. Like I said, I'll jump out of a helicopter 
and and yeah. rappel off the side of it. Yeah. And I have no problem with it. I don't yeah. know why. But jumping out of a plane, I'm just like, ah. I mean, for bungee jumping with me, is just being upside down for that amount of time. Well, so, m- yeah. most of them actually have a device where you kind of pull it after you, you, you know, you've done your jump and you kind of go right side up when oh, it pulls okay, you up. Okay. So they, they thought about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm down to budget jump. Then. Although I have yeah. done ones like uh, in Victoria Falls, it, absolute nightmare. You're just hanging upside down and then they just and like they winch just you up, you it's up. called. Yeah. And like, there's like this like nine year old kid, like pulling you up and you're just like, <laughs> oh <laughs> my the, God. Your like rushing your head. <laughs> my entire you just, life is in It's just like they wrap a towel around your ankles at that one. And, uh, you know, just this little like rubber band around your ankles. You're like, you sure you know what you're doing, kid? Yeah. <laughs> I can't even believe you even remotely would try that. I did, I mean, I did it four times too. <laughs> four times. Yeah. Yeah. Would you consider yourself kind of like one of those extreme kind of sports dudes? I mean, I used to, I don't like, do half the crazy stuff that I used to do. Um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten like less, you know, interested in risking my life. Yeah. But for sure, like in my 20s and early 30s, I was like all about that. You like, snowboard or ski? I actually don't because I don't like the cold. Oh, intro- <laughs> wow. Look at you. I, I mean, I can. I've done it before, but I don't really enjoy it. There's yeah. just a lot of equipment. It's like kind of annoying and like I don't do it often enough where I'm good and I don't like not being good at things. And like, I don't know. I mean, maybe one of these days I'll get into it. But as of now, no. But I do like uh, other I'm surprised because snowboarding, uh, that is fun. I mean, you can just haul ass down a mountain. People love it, and I'm sure it's great, and I'm sure I'm missing out, but... Uh, it's just like yeah. bungee jumping off an 800-foot yeah. yeah. like, bridge. <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's kind of fun. I mean, some people like it, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> Maybe this winter I'll get up to Mammoth or something and try it out. So it's so much fun. I think that if you actually gave it a shot, uh, you've probably tried it. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, that's that's crazy. Um, here's an interesting question for you, and I probably you probably, I don't even know if you could answer this question. Okay. Out of all the travel you've done, mm-hmm. put it all together. How much money do you actually think you have spent on travel? <laughs> I, get, I get that question a lot. Do you really? Yeah. Um, oh, damn. See, I think I have like all these unique questions. I'm like, <laughs> shit. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the answer is that I, I don't even actually want to know uh, because it would probably nauseate me. Um, but it's uh, it, it's. Surely in the high uh, six figures, if not into seven, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're talking over uh, many years. It's not right. like I spent that like last week or anything like that. I mean, the the South Pole trips alone are, you know, in the six figures. The North Pole trip is like probably thirty or $40,000. And, uh, you know, and then a lot of the other trips, just like nothing is specifically expensive. But if you're doing a lot of it together, it really adds up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I... I paid for a lot of it myself. I had some of it, you know, luckily sponsored and, you know, or paid for, which is nice when I, when I started doing this for a living. So all in all, I'd say right around, right around there. What were you like as a kid? <laughs> just normal. I just played, <laughs> I just played, I just played sports, but I was always into collecting. That was the, that's kind of the tie in. Did to you like, collect all the currency, like from all the countries? I'm so glad I didn't because like, then it would have gotten out of control. It's like, if I, I used to want to collect like a, um, a ball from every golf course I played. And now I've played like 600 plus golf courses. Like, what do you do Your with 600 plus golf balls? Well, we're going to talk about golf in a second. <laughs> Go ahead. I but, gotta this. but yeah, I mean, I like to collect things and like, I always liked lists and I still like lists. Right. And uh, like, cause it gives you a goal mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, it's not like I, you know, live my life by these lists, but it's, it's fun to kind of know what's uh, around. It's like best restaurant lists, like even just in LA. Right. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you know, best cocktail bars or best pizza, you know, things so like that. So you kept a list when you were a kid. Uh, I always had lists. Yeah. But what were your lists when I gave you a kid? Uh, Best GI Joes. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was it was like 
I used to collect just like dumb stuff, right? Baseball cards was my big one. So okay. I had baseball. I'm I got to give you my baseball card. Go ahead. Uh, love it. <laughs> uh, huge baseball guy, huge sports fan still always. And uh, every, everything sports card related was my thing growing up. And then like doing every sport and like, I don't know, uh, things like that. And just with golf, like getting your handicap down or like hitting the X amount of home runs in baseball, you know, everything was like a goal. Always have goals. Brothers, sisters? One sister. Older or younger? Uh, younger, two and a half years younger. Uh, you grew up in New York? Uh, just outside in Trumbull, Connecticut. Never heard of it. Small town, about 40, <laughs> 45 minutes from the city. <laughs> um, we won the 1989 Little League World Series. That's our claim to fame. Right on. Yeah. Very cool. Are you going to settle down and have kids one day or that's it? We shall see. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm not quite sure about this yet. I am so happy I got to sit and talk yeah, with you. Me too. I can't, this is first awesome. of all, it was kind of cool because I met you over at uh, Crystal's house, Crystal Hefner, when I did her podcast. And when you walked in, you're like, oh my God, you're ice. And I was like, you know me, <laughs> you know? Well, but, Crystal told me you were going to be there. So I was just like, oh, is that why you showed up early? No, yeah, <laughs> it, it was actually because I was a huge American Gladiators fan when I was a kid. I watched like all the time. Um, you know, I didn't. Uh, expect to meet you but then when she told me she was doing it with you i was like oh come by early and get to meet her that'd be oh, awesome so, cool. so it worked out i want to play golf with you love anytime What's your handicap though i don't actually keep a handicap anymore roughly um, but so i'm what kind of player you are. I, I, low low digit low single digit handicap okay so nine ten ish maybe a little lower oh shit you're good <laughs> you know, pretty good you know not great but pretty good you know that's pretty cool. I played um, Riviera yesterday. Actually. I know. I saw that on your Instagram. So, so awesome. What's okay. What's your favorite golf course you've played? That's a, that's a good question. So, um, in the U S the, the, the best courses I've played are abandoned dunes up in Oregon. So there's actually five courses plus a short course and they're all like top, like 15 ranked public courses in America. It's just like the most stunning golf resort, uh, in, in the United States for sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, out in uh, Europe, there's uh, one called Royal County Down, which if you look at all these like top, you know, 10 lists in the world, it's always like top three. And uh, it's awesome. It really is. God, I can't wait. I do want to play with you. I have been into golf now, um, I want to say about 20 years. I wish I had started when I was young. I wish I, was, I had started younger too. I was an athlete and I always called it the lazy man sport. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> you know, I was a softball, softball player myself. Yeah. And um, the first time I hit a golf club and I just, that sweet spot felt like a home run hit. I always say that there's nothing like, uh, you know, I was fortunate to hit a bunch of home runs when I was a kid and that's like the best feeling, right? Yep. But when you just like nut a drive, like 300 oh, yards or something God, like yeah. that and just you hit it and you don't even feel it. You're yeah. just like, oh my God, it's the like best feeling in the world. And that's what people don't understand when you're like obsessed about golf and like, you don't get it. It's just like the best, yeah. or like if, if you've ever been fortunate to have a hole in one, the greatest feeling like maybe ever. You know, what's so funny is that I've never had a hole in one, but yet at the same time, I just think it's pure luck, you know? So therefore I'm like, eh. It's know? skill meets luck. <laughs> oh, whatever. I mean, it's you have luck. to be good to hit it there, but then it takes, it's a little ball, a little hole. It takes some luck, you know? I understand that, but oh my God, it's. My favorite golf course that I've actually played on um, is Pelican. Oh, I, I love Pelican. I love them both. They're both great. I know. Um, but I didn't know that you were a golfer. And then I started watching your Instagram. I was like, holy shit, he's a golfer. I got to play. Yeah. I, I started name, playing tournaments a little bit. Name um, the place. Let's do it. Love playing tournaments. I Where was, do you play out here? Um, I love Angeles National because mm. it's up by my house. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I played that probably six times. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice little place. 
Um, and I'm pretty much, I'll go wherever, Same. you know, just to play with, you know, whoever's open. They're like, Hey, Lori can play golf. And I'm like, okay, yeah. please don't make it six in the morning. Cause I'm not that person. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I hear you on that. Um, Angeles national is a tough, those greens are tough. Yeah, they like, are tough. They're just gnarly. And that's where, um, I actually worked there as a, as a ranger, like years ago, really 20, when I first started actually yeah. 20 years ago or something like that, just for fun, mm -hmm. because I wanted to play free and yeah. I wanted to practice like all the time because I came obsessed with it. Right. You know, being an athlete and that's like, all of a sudden you get that golf in your blood. You're just like, I just want to do it every day. That's what's great about golf, right? Like if you're an athlete and you like to compete, like obviously we both did, yeah. you can compete against yourself playing yes. golf. That's what's great about golf, right? Like you can just practice and get better and beat your best score, like whatever your goal is, you know, yeah. and it, it's just really, or just go to the putting green or driving range and just like work on your game. It's awesome. It's, I know it's always the, the putt for, what is it? Uh, drive for show, putt for dough. Correct. Yeah. And I have to force myself to putt because I love to go grab a, that driver and just like, you know, I can do about a 300 drive. 300, nice. Yeah. That's so. the, the biggest difference between like a pro and like a good amateur is the short game and putting. I mean, I that's, know. that's really it. Cause a lot of people can crush the ball. You know what I mean? People can get irons, hit irons well, but it's, making putts, especially consistently like an eight foot putt, you know, yeah. That, that's where the pros just really get you're getting up and down from the bunker or yep. the rough, you know? Yep. I know. I just, I absolutely love the game. Yep. I'm, but here's the problem with me too. I'm only a fair weather player when it gets cold and rainy. I'm like, eh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing I'm, worse than playing golf in the cold see, rain or I'm, wind. I'm kind of like you. And it, like you said, ah, it's cold. I mean, I really don't like being in the snow that much, but you know, I'll do it um, to snowboard. But when it comes to golf, it's like, it's just got to be beautiful out. But yes, how, I mean, are you kind of standard in LA a lot? Are you still traveling a lot? Because I'm, I'm traveling a lot less than I used to. Okay, um, good. Because I just want to know when I could play golf with you. <laughs> just, ta just tax me, I'm down. Just a selfish question. I'm, I'm easy. I'll go anywhere too. So I love that. Let's do it. Lee, thank you so much for being on my Lord, podcast. you're the best. Thank you. I mean, seriously, I know my listeners are going to get so much out of this. I They're hope just so. going to have so much fun. Don't go anywhere though, because I have a Patreon account and a lot of my Patreon account has rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay. So I get about two more minutes with you. And thank you so much for listening today on Chillin' with Ice. And this is where legends live on. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to Chillin' with Ice. And don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, and share wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember to follow us on Patreon and YouTube at Chillin' with Ice. And on Instagram and TikTok, you can follow me at lori.ice.fetrick. I look forward to chilling with you next time here on Chilling with Ice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.